favor You've say all heard aye. The motion, all those in favor say aye. No, motion carries. You may proceed. Motion, all those in favor no. say aye. Motion carries. You've Kansas lawmakers moved a whole bunch of bills from one side of the rotunda to the other to meet what's called the turnaround deadline. All of those bills are, of course, important, some very important, but it's fair to say that most of those dealt with so far aren't among what you would call the session's headliners. The big issues are either still stuck or yet to be addressed. That stuck list includes Medicaid expansion and the constitutional amendment on abortion, tax cuts, and the budget headlined the yet-to-be-addressed list. I'm Jim McLean, and this is Statehouse Blend, a podcast from the Kansas News Service. Here to catch us up on what lawmakers have done and what remains to be done is Stephen Caranda, Statehouse reporter for the Kansas News Service. Stephen, it's been a long week for you. Thanks for taking some time to help us sort things out. Yeah, happy to be here. Let's start by talking about a couple of bills that are on the move. Uh, two, I think, stand out. A bill aimed at addressing people's concerns about rising property taxes, a perennial concern. And the sports gaming major we talked about a few weeks ago. Versions of both recently cleared the Senate. That's right. And on property taxes, you know, lawmakers are kind of frustrated about property tax increases they hear about from their constituents. The state put a cap on property taxes in 2015, what a lot of people called a lid. But some lawmakers kind of think it didn't work. So this bill would repeal that. And instead, if local governments want to increase tax rates or collect more property tax revenue because of valuations going up, they would have to send out notices to taxpayers. They'd have to hold the public hearings where members of the public could weigh in. And then, you know, the city council or the county commission would vote on the tax rates. So Republican Senator Karen Tyson, who's one of the sponsors of the bill, says it's really about increasing transparency. We understand that we do need government and we do need infrastructure and just explain to them why the increase is coming. And there's going to be some pushback sometimes, but that's what it's about is communicating. So let me get this straight. Local governments, cities and counties in particular, would have to send out notices to taxpayers that detail how much money they need to fund their budgets, how much of that would come from money generated by an increase in the valuation of property Mm -hmm. or a change in the tax rate. Is that the gist of it? Yeah, basically, if the government is going to collect more property tax money, they've got to show it and they've got to explain it. Okay, sports gaming. That bill has been kicking around the Statehouse for several years now, but it's finally on the move. What's in the version the Senate just approved? So the Senate bill would let people bet on sports at the state-owned casinos, which are run by private casino companies. And there are four of them across the state? That's correct. And they could also bet on mobile apps run by those casino operators. The bill would also allow the Kansas Lottery to sell tickets online, but... Hmm. Depending how strict the rules are, the lottery says the state's revenue from that could be, you know, 3 to $18 million over the first five years. Okay, I want to separate things out here. We're not talking about the money that would be generated strictly by sports gaming. This is the additional money to, that would be generated by the online sale of lottery tickets, that's right? That's correct. And 3 to $18 million, that, that's a pretty wide range. What accounts for that? It really depends how strict uh, the rules are and how much they can kind of sell products, lottery products on Online. Yeah, I think the restrictions deal with exactly how they can be advertised and... Essentially. All right. Now, sports gaming would generate lots of money for the casinos in the state, but not all that much for the state, right? So the way it would work is there would be, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars potentially in bets, mm-hmm. but after you pay out to the winners, there's really only about 5% left for casino profits, for the state fees, and all that. So initially, the state's take is expected to be somewhere between like 
2 or $3 million a year. That's expected to grow over time, but only to about $5 million a year. Yeah, and that was an issue during the debate, particularly for Senator Tom Holland. He's a Democrat from uh, Baldwin City. Uh, he thinks the state should be getting more revenue out of this. This deal leaves money on the table for the state. The state is not being properly rewarded. I think it's a sucker bet. Yeah, Holland offered an amendment that would really have overhauled the bill with the goal of giving the state more control and more money, but it failed. Did you tell me earlier that you expect the House to make some changes in it? So the House seems to be working on kind of their own plan that might allow betting at more places and maybe give the state a bigger cut. Uh, they could change the Senate's bill and tweak it, or they could, you know, just draw up something from scratch in the House. Stephen Coranda, State House reporter for the uh, Kansas News Service. Thanks, as always, for staying on top of these issues and helping us stay on top of them. Well, thank you. Davis Hammett is an unconventional player in Kansas politics. He's a transplant to the state, arriving here as a very young man on a mission to counter the quote-unquote hate emanating from Topeka's infamous Westboro Baptist Church, founded by the late Fred Phelps. So when I was 22 years old, I was working with an organization, an international relief group, and they had a project to um, get the house across from the Westboro Baptist Church hate group and paint it rainbow. And so I moved here thinking I would only be in Kansas for a couple months. Uh, and then we painted the house. And then I just got really involved in the community and ended up staying. Seven years later, he's still here. As president of the nonprofit organization Loud Light, Hammett is now working to counter political apathy by educating people, young people mainly, and activating them, registering them to vote, and convincing them that their participation in politics and the legislative process can make a difference. When I would talk to young people, I realized, like, no one really knows what the state legislature is, right? If you ask anyone who's your representative, they always say congressional, yeah, right? Like and, stare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so I wanted to help people focus on the political environment that they could change, right? Like your your city, your town, your state. And on the state level, there was also a problem of even the news headlines, right? There was a half a billion dollar, a billion dollar budget shortfall, but like, what does that mean? And so we started putting out videos that are less than four minutes, just highlighting what happened the last week in the state house, um, all fact-based, like no commentary, just point, point, point. These are the things that happened. Here's the finances of it. Um, and then to my surprise, we ended the first video and I asked, you know, hey, if this is helpful, let me know, maybe I'll do it again. And then it really blew up and then we haven't stopped since. Hey, I'm Davis Hammond with Loud Light. Here's what happened the sixth week in the Kansas State House. Thursday, the Senate Public Health Committee added several amendments apparently aimed at sabotaging the bipartisan Medicaid expansion bill. So we have the weekly recap videos. And then one of our probably more popular elements is we do explainer videos. And on this, the first big one was on the budget crisis. Kansas was experiencing an excellent recovery from the Great Recession, then 2013 hit. What happened? Revenue plummeted and the ending balance is gone. It looks identical to recession, but it isn't. So I decided to take this just super deep dive. I mean, it was like months and months of barely sleeping, going to, I got to know the state librarians in the research department really well. Um, and I basically put the budget in a hundred year perspective. And I explained like the history of 
you know, income tax in the state of Kansas and revenue and really what was the, you know, the brownback tax experiment. This is how much of your entire income goes to state and local taxes. The Kansas experiment tax shift meant the poor pay more and the rich pay less. Everything the middle class gained in income tax breaks, it lost in sales tax increases. And this is this nine minute, super wonky video. And I'm thinking no one's gonna watch it. And it turns out that at that moment, um, you know, a quarter million people end up watching the video, including across the political spectrum, state representatives and state senators. And so you had state legislators asking you into their offices so that you could explain something to them that most Kansans would probably assume they already knew or should have known, right, about the impact of these policies? Yeah. I mean, again, I would say I think it was how I had put the data together mm -hmm. too, right? One of the unique things we do is uh, turning a lot of this data into moving graphics. You know, we have like charts that are moving and really tell the story of what happened. Because if you just see a page, you know, a spreadsheet, that doesn't tell the story, right? It doesn't and you, animate the story. It does not animate the story and right. it might not engage you, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever we can make some of these data points in a different way that really explain what had happened. I think that's what they were interested in because now they, now, you know, normal people can engage in these policy discussions in a way that you normally wouldn't be able to do unless you were in the state house every Which day. Which for you is proof of concept. You've, you've done something there to change the conversation literally. Oh, I mean, as far as proof of concept, I can, you know, there, it's definitely there from how many people, I mean, I've even had, you know, 18, 19 year olds tell me that they didn't even think they were going to vote. And now they're super engaged with state politics and they want to do internships in the state house. And they're really, you know, mm -hmm. what I would call like nerding out, right? They're nerding <laughs> out on these really specific state issues, which is amazing, right? Which we should all want is to have young people focus their intention on what can they do with their life to better the state of Kansas. Davis Hammett, president of the nonprofit group Loud Light, which according to the mission statement on its website was formed to turn up democracy by turning out the vote. As we've noted several times in past weeks, lawmakers are at a stalemate on two of the session's biggest issues, a constitutional amendment on abortion and Medicaid expansion. Republican Senate President Susan Wagel has blocked work on the Medicaid expansion compromise that Democratic Governor Laura Kelly worked out with Senate Majority Leader Jim Denning until the House passes the abortion amendment. And right now, House leaders are a handful of votes short of the two-thirds majority they need to do that. The amendment would overturn a recent Kansas Supreme Court decision that declared abortion a right under the state constitution. Anti-abortion advocates want to put it on the August primary ballot, thinking it would have a better chance of winning approval then than in the November general election. But the House members holding up passage of the amendment want it on the November ballot. Plus, many of them object to the Senate president's decision to hold the Medicaid expansion bill hostage. It's a big mess. Republican Senator Molly Baumgartner says talks are going on behind the scenes to break the impasse. But at the moment, she says no one appears willing to compromise. I think that you have a, a lot of different groups, a lot of different um, political factions um, that all want to have things their way. Bob Gardner could end up playing a key role in all of this. She supports the constitutional amendment, but she's a swing vote on Medicaid expansion. She's one of 22 co-sponsors of the compromise expansion bill, but a somewhat reluctant one. 
I'll tell you that quite frankly, I've taken a lot of heat uh, for being a co-sponsor. But when I explain to folks, there are actually three different uh, Medicaid expansion bills. And I thought it was important to, to say, okay, of the three, this is the best of the three. I'm not saying at the end of the day, it's going to make everyone happy. I'm not even sure that I would be happy with it at the end of the day. But of the three, this is the one that we should um, focus our time and efforts on. Does it depend on exactly what comes to the floor at the end of the day, whether you vote for it or not? Um, that's always been my position uh, because there have been pieces of legislation that were just terrible. But with amendments in committee or um, changes that occurred on the floor made them better and, and made them help solve the problem. I've always told folks there's only one time that you vote, and that is at the end after they have closed on the bill. And so I do hold that open. Um, as to when we're going to have that opportunity to vote, it, it seems like it's still going to be, it's still a horse race, it still is a jostle. And so at the end of the day, what's your prediction? Do both of these issues get resolved before you guys go home? I think anyone that tells you they know what's going to happen is a liar. I don't think people really do know. Um, there are so many different ways that, this, that the issues can get resolved, that the bills can get on this floor. I think, um, I think it's going to be good for us to have turnaround. People need a breather. They kind of need to, it's kind of like being cooped up with, the same people and in a in a small proximity, and I think um, I think turnaround will be good for us. That's going to kind of shake out the dust, and we'll buckle down and focus on the bills that are still remaining. So I'm hopeful. Um, I feel quite honestly, people need to know one way or another, up or down. Um, I think that that's what we need to do. So with half the 2020 legislative session gone, the stalemate continues. Perhaps we'll see some progress in the coming week. That's it for this edition of Statehouse Blend Kansas. So this is where I remind you to go to our website at ksnewsservice.org for more news from the Statehouse and across the state. While there, you can subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly newsletter, The Insider. This is Statehouse Blend Kansas in Topeka. I'm Jim McLean. Statehouse Blend Kansas is a production of the Kansas News Service, a collaboration of public radio stations across the state. Our theme music was provided by Nameless Dancers. Follow the Kansas News Service at ksnewsservice.org and subscribe to Statehouse Blend wherever you get your podcasts.